joining me today, we have Mo Walker. Welcome, Mo. Hi, everybody. Also returning to the podcast. I don't know the number of times both of you have been on, but Dwayne Eckholm, welcome back. Hey there, Luke. And How are you guys doing? Absolutely looking forward to discussing Game of Thrones, a little bit of Hearthstone, <laughs> and diving into some other stuff later on. Casey Eckholm, welcome back, friend. Hi. It's been a while. I'm glad to have yes. you on. And Game of Thrones. You and I talk about Game of Thrones periodically on Messenger and text, so now it's going to be fun to have you on the podcast. Dan's going to be joining us later in the show since he doesn't watch Game of Thrones. Figured, well, we're not going to have him sit through Game of Thrones and Hearthstone. But last week's episode, The Spoils of War, was epic. And I've had some discussions with people. We're going to get to the big fight scene at the end. Think, be thinking about it before we get to the discussion, but do you guys think that it's the best one to date? For me, personally, it's not, but we'll see what you guys think. So, Casey, we, you haven't been on since Game of Thrones kicked off. Give me your thoughts, just a, quick, quick thoughts on the season so far, and then what your impression of the, this most recent episode was. So, the season so far has definitely been one of those seasons where... The first couple episodes, I've really just been waiting for them to get to something. I think that they know that with this season and next season being the last, they're trying to build for something. I mean, obviously, the Iron Throne, right? We, we want to find out who gets it in the end. But they're kind of building for something. And so the first couple episodes of the season, I've just kind of been waiting for that. Like, okay, they're getting the story in line. They're trying to figure out, wrap up things from last season, get things in place for this season. And, you know, just kind of find out where they're going. So I've been very patient. Um, and Spoils of War definitely kind of started that going forward where they're like hey we figured out our story this is what you get for kind of starting that moving along and and i loved it i mean obviously we get uh, lots and lots of dragon action which is amazing um but also just the stories that they have going forward getting to see the starks being re reunited um as many of them as there are left and um, kind of getting to see a lot of those stories really just coming to fruition is really, really exciting. I'm really interested to see where they're going to go with this next episode tonight. Uh, we actually rewatched Spoils of War just to make sure we didn't miss out on anything. Um, but as most people reading on the internet have probably seen a lot of the things where I've realized I've maybe missed out on some things that were like little hints here and there throughout this season harking back to previous seasons. So I'm really interested to see how they kind of tie all those things together. Dwayne, what, what have you thought of the season so far and what did you think of spoils of war? So this so far has been arguably the best season in my opinion. It, it, the, it, the first episode was, I, I saw it characterized as a slow burn. That definitely was the case. The, the, it's kind of the uh, putting Re reintroducing us to the characters and getting them in place to have quite possibly the most action-packed three episodes that we've seen in this series. Uh, it, I've been amazed that the you know episode two with the with the ship battle was just absolutely amazing. The interesting thing about episode three is the kind of the uh, the Lannisters one Jamie and two Tyrion 
advising uh, Daenerys, uh, the this the strategy of of battle and war and and deciding what what the most important uh, you know areas to take uh, to fortify their position and that sort of thing and and then this last week with the with the epic dragon scene that takes like the last 15 minutes of the show which was just unbelievable seeing just this giant battle of 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 humans then augmented by a giant dragon there's a there's a shot where you see uh uh jamie looking and he sees this you know just this wave of 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 the dothraki coming at them and then you see in the air the dragon and you're just like oh my god this is this is what we've been waiting seven seasons for and and it it definitely didn't disappoint in the in the slightest it didn't disappoint and it the episode had a great payoff but not just on the battlefield also at winterfell mo aria is back at winterfell she reunited with sansa and bran bran sorry bran what'd you think I really enjoyed it when Arya showed up and the guards were like, get away, you little kid. And, you know, it's just it just shows how crafty she has gotten over the years where she just says, look, you either take me in or you're going to have a problem later on. Um, so when she gets she bypassed those guards, I love it when she's sparring with Brianna. And it just again, she's just like this little ninja at this point. And you know, um, Sansa is just staring at her, just wondering, is this my little sister? What happened to my little sister? Um, and it's clear that, you know, each one of these, each one of the Stark siblings are going to have to adapt to how the other has grown and evolved over the course of the, the series. And of course, uh, Littlefinger, of course, is just sitting there just watching and staring and wondering, how can I manipulate this situation to to my own end? That was just great. Uh, but the brand, the the whole when the two siblings came together with brand, you know, again, it's just this whole like awkwardness there. And he's he 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 really is is not able to connect with his two his other siblings the, the way they're able to kind of connect and bond with him. And when he when we they started pushing him in that wheelchair, I was thinking, you know, if they just shaved his head, he'd become like the new he'd become Game of Thrones' his own Professor Xavier. Charles Xavier. Yeah. There you go. Yep. One of the things that I loved about the Winterfell was the fact that you did have Arya. They did the callback to the earlier season with her at the gate. But I love the fact that her her and Sansa ended up down in the crypt looking um, at their father's statue. That was wonderful. I've, I've enjoyed how Sansa as she, or not Sansa, but Arya, as she's going through the season, when people are asking what her, what she's going to do, she tells the truth. And then when they look at her strangely, she just sort of jokes it off. And so when that happened with Sansa at their father's grave, it made me, it made me pause because I'm like, will Sansa see through this? Well, then they go up and she, Arya starts uh, sparring with, Brienne and there's been a lot of discussion about the look that Sansa had on her face as she's seeing her sister. Uh, some people have said that it was more, more of a realization that oh yeah, she's not this person. There've been a bunch of different viewpoints. Mine is one that is sort of maybe a little bit cynical. It's not one that I've heard as much, but to me I'm like 
after everything that she's been through and the way that Sansa has been sort of groomed as a possible next um, Cersei in terms of like her how she thinks and her outlook on life and her understanding of politics when she was watching her sister fight Brienne my thought was the look on her face the way I interpreted it was she now sees her sister not just as a sister but as a weapon that can be used the same way that Cersei views Jaime and so for me that's how I the lens with which I looked at it through at those scenes, but a lot of people don't seem to agree with me. Uh, Dwayne, what did you think? How, what, how do you think that Sansa interpreted Arya's abilities? Now that you mention it, I think I can kind of start to see where you're coming from there, Luke. I, I think initially my, my thought was more of a Sansa laughed off the whole idea of the list, right? That 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 she the the kill list that she had that she mentioned. She told the truth. She laughed it off, and then you know there was this the moment where they where they uh, meet with Bran, and Bran talks about the list in Cersei, and and it starts to become more real to her. And then seeing Arya and what she is capable of doing against you know somebody as skilled a warrior as Brienne of Tarth is I I think it I think it was I think it was just like oh my god there she she wasn't kidding when she said she went through a lot and she's probably not kidding about the whole list thing and 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 yeah I, I think that you know the natural kind of next evolution of that is that there is this weapon that people wouldn't even realize that I had in my sister if if I wanted to use it. But I, I think I think there's probably kind of this I can't believe this is going on. Probably realization first, and then uh, I think I think that she might event eventually end up there. So. Casey, what are your thoughts? What what was your reaction to Sansa's reaction of Arya being such a skilled combatant? I think that, yes, she definitely kind of is starting to see that Arya wasn't lying about the list because especially when Bran brought it up, I think that's when she definitely realized, like, Arya really has this list, but I'm not exactly sure where she's going with it. Um, and I think that... Sansa is just realizing, I think that the whole family, her, Bran, and Arya need to have a conversation about what's happened in their lives because we haven't really got to see them actually open up. You know, Sansa and Arya were just reunited. Bran is a bit, or Bran, you said Bran and now it's in my head. I know, Bran. right? I, I apologize because I'm like, oh, okay. There's too many Brans and Brands. Yeah. So, and Bran has come back, but you know how Sansa even acknowledged it. He sees visions. No, he's he's a warg. Like, there's more to the story that they need to explain to each other. And I think Sansa, because of her her ability to kind of see the big picture, where you know she definitely has that Cersei outlook. She definitely has the revenge mentality right now. Um, because she's realizing, like, I'm getting my family back together. We're back in charge of Winterfell. I think she's saying we need to have a conversation about where we are and see what we can do. I think it's going to be 
really big on what happens between John and Daenerys um, on Dragonstone because I think the Starks, who are still listed as Starks, because John is still Snow, I think it's going to make a big difference about what the three of them can do together um, compared to everybody else. And I think that that's what Sans is realizing. Like, I need to figure out what's going on in my house. And I think that that last little look that we see between Arya and Littlefinger made Littlefinger want to pee himself because he realized, oh, crap, I uh, <laughs> I, I am not, not safe here because he knows that he's not in fan with Sansa, really. And Arya, I think that Littlefinger might be somebody that's on her list and we might not know about it yet. And as you were saying that, that gave me chills because that was one of the other realizations that I had as I was watching the episode. When you really think about it, the Stark children, the three of them, not including John, you can include John if you want, but the three of them, Sansa is a is potentially the next Cersei with her skill at politics and understanding. I mean, what she did with the Battle of the Bastards and saving her brother by just being able to think outside the box with Arya being this assassin who could be unleashed anywhere at any time and do pretty much anything. And then you have Bran as the three-eyed raven who can basically see the past, present, and future. That is a very powerful and potent force, and it makes me wonder how this ends up. I mean, obviously the White Walkers um, are a big unknown, but in terms of if this was just... A, a continued battle for the throne, they could really rule the place if they wanted. I, good, good money, good money would be on them. Oh, absolutely! And Littlefinger between between Bran repeating um, "Chaos is a ladder" and seeing Arya. If I were him, I'd be more than peeing. I would be getting the hell out of <laughs> Winterfell. Mo, did you have any other comments that you want before we move on from Winterfell? Because I know I sort of used you bringing it up as a segue. No, 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 it, it, it's fine. I was just as as everyone was talking, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking like Sansa is is clearly, you know, Big Brother exists in in Game of Thrones because Sansa is really forming her own tribe within her own tribe, you know, just kind of plotting things out. And 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 I agree, like little maybe maybe the conversation will be coming in in the upcoming episode because I think that. Everyone's right. That needs to happen, and it needs to happen soon. Down south, Danny and John. Well, Danny gets the news that her battle isn't going so well, and that um, Granny Tyrell fell. Worst moment of the season so far for me. But she's not happy. She's like, I need to get on my dragons. <laughs> And, what, and then she goes and finally gets on her dragons. Uh, Mo, I'll let you take it away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Luke, Luke yes. just made her sound like a hillbilly. Yes. And <laughs> she's like that. far from. Danny's not my favorite. Danny's not my favorite. I can't help if my bias against Danny comes through every once in a while. <laughs> Says the man who grew well, up on a farm. I, uh, listen, I don't have anything against farmers, ranchers, anything. Making her sound like a hillbilly, that's a little bit different than a farmer. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, thankfully, uh, Jamie and company got that gold <laughs> safely away to King's Landing before um, Danny and the Darth Racky arrived because it, 
it really reminded you of those westerns. So when you have like a ranch or a whomover looking at the horizon and they see this impending storm coming, it was just that look like Jamie Hamlin. They just kind of notice like the wind is changing and everyone starts uh, brought everybody just starts kind of noticing something's wrong in the air, something's in the air. And then all of a sudden overhead, you know, the storm is coming and it lives a literal storm of Darth Raki and um, da- Daenerys just comes swooping in. And, you know, as Dwayne said earlier, this is the buildup of what we've been waiting for for seven seasons, you know, of these dragons and Darth Raki just being unleashed upon Westeros and just going to town. And the show just delivered. I mean, I, the whole, those 15 minutes, I, I looked at it like a dark comedy. I'll be honest with you. I just start, as soon as, you know, the Darth Raggy start, horde just started coming in, I just started just laughing. I, I literally nearly fell out of my seat laughing at how, the dragon just came swooshing in and just breathing fire and just literally turning everyone to ash. I mean, it just wasn't cinders. It was ash. It, it was it was crazy. It was amazing. Uh, there was just so much to break down in that in that in those those fifteen minutes. But for my takeaway is is that is that you know this is the battle that we've really been look. This is the type of battle we've been really looking forward to. Just seeing the dragons. Um, I, I was thinking um, about that tweet that I think it was Melody had, had retweeted about uh, Jamie is looking over the horizon and just saying, hold the line. And then that the dragon is just saying, you know, reclaiming my time. And just... <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Dwayne, this battle was epic in visual. It was stunning in intensity but for a brief moment when Bronn was running to the big old arrow to shoot at the dragon and when he finally got up there there were a couple shots that made me that made me flash to the Fast and the Furious movie when the rock (laughs) has the big automatic machine gun that's not actually connected to anything and he's like trying to take on the helicopter. So I had this moment of levity as Braun is like saving the day for Jamie. What did you think of him taking on the dragon? What did you think of the battle? There's just... There's just so much to like of that. Just starting with the whole uh, Bron hearing, being the first to hear the Dothraki coming, and there, there is, uh, I, I think that, like, like I was saying earlier, the visual side of the Dothraki coming towards the line of, of the Lannister army, and then seeing the dragon in the sky was probably the visual I've been waiting for for seven seasons, and it just. It, it was so perfectly done. I, I'm not. I'm not sure why Danny decided to just make a a, a single. Uh, why she came the direction she came. She could have like pretty pretty much wiped out the line if she'd have came in from a different direction. But uh, you know that would have made sure that the Dothraki didn't have much to do. But you know, well, and what it, what it, and she's a queen. She's not a yeah. strategist. Yeah, you, you you might you might have gotten yourself seen if you're if you're coming from a completely different direction than your army or something like that. The the timing of it might not have worked out so well, but 
seeing seeing that and then the the crazy thing is basically the uh Danny and her multi multiple passes through you know she she uh after after she breaks a hole in the line she goes and starts torching all the all everything like the the uh carriages and different things like that yet miraculously manages to miss the scorpion out of all, basically everything else is torched except yep. for that thing <laughs> Strange how that happens, you know. I, 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 it's just, just strange how that Danny's happens. Danny's not and... a strategist. She's not a strategist. <laughs> but, like... but it, it, it was, and then, you know, you see, while watching, watching Bron trying to use that, you use it, and and the first shot he misses, and then the second shot. Obviously, they didn't give him uh, lessons as to where to aim the thing because, yeah, it, it, it still seems like. You know the arrows just kind of bounced off the underbelly of the uh, of the dragon, so I don't know if he was I, I don't know if he's aiming for the head and just kind of got the wing or what, but uh, that was that was something to see the dragon then come down and you're just like oh god and and that and that and the final scene with with Jamie and charging towards Daenerys was was absolutely amazing. And Tyrion go, don't do it, don't yeah, do don't, it, don't do, do it. it, don't do it. And then he does. Casey, I want you to tell me what your thoughts were on the battle, but I also want to talk a little bit about Jamie because Dwayne brought up him facing down the dragon, and as he's rushing towards the dragon, he the dragon is about to incinerate him. Bronn comes along, or at least I think it's Bronn, and like knocks him off of his horse into the water. And apparently that water is really deep, which <laughs> a lot of people commented on like, okay, this water shouldn't be this deep, but apparently it looks that way because Jamie is sinking. And as I was watching it, my, uh, I had another flash. I have these, a lot of flashes while I watch Game of Thrones, but recently I've been studying, like restudying the hero's journey for some writing projects that I'm working on. And the evolution of Jamie has been one of the most subtle elements of the show for me in terms of his character from where he started out in the first season to where he is now. And a lot of times in the hero's journey, you'll have this moment where there is a rebirth or a death and they return to life. At, and at that point, the, the character's arc changes. And as he was sinking in the water, I was thinking to myself, it, is this his rebirth moment when he comes out of this if he whether he's a captive whether or not he returns to his sister is this his rebirth moment to make him no longer the bad guy we started to uh, we first knew the sort of guy in the gray who we love now but will this actually make him a hero so what are your thoughts on the battle and what do you think of jamie's journey casey all right. Well, that definitely gives me a lot to uh, talk I about. I am excellent um, no, no, at no. multi-part questions. <laughs> I, so, at least you're good at something, right? Exactly. <laughs> oh, shots. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's all love. He knows. Yes, um, I'm well aware. <laughs> so uh, the, the, the battle, let's just call it the battle, because we really don't need to discuss any other battles they've ever had in Game of Thrones. They've all been wonderful, but this is the battle. Like, there will be no other battle in this entire show for the next season and a, cup, a couple episodes that is going to take over this one. It was amazing. Like, you guys 
all said, it's the fight we've been waiting seven seasons for. In the first, ep- or in the first season, um, King Baratheon says, only an idiot will take on the Dothraki in an open field battle. <laughs> and here we see Jamie Lannister, who is supposed to be, one, an amazing fighter, um, leader, commander of the Lannister army, take on the Dothraki in an open field. He obviously does not also know he's going to be taking on a dragon. Um, so I think that, you know, we had that stage set that this was going to happen, that the Dothraki were going to meet an army, and it definitely lived up to their standards. Um, I also had the feeling that um, Daenerys could have done the first wave onto the army in a different manner to take a little bit more of them out. And I know that Luke says she is not a strategist, which she is. I'm sure that everything that just happened in regards to this fight was a lot of her making the decision in regards to the strategy of what they were going to do because she, she of all the people that are giving her counsel, she knows the Dothraki. And I think she believes that they needed this fight more than she needed to go out and wipe out the Lannister army in one foul swoop with the dragon. Um, They are fighters. They needed this fight. They needed to release all their pent up, whatever they currently have. Frustration. Frustration, excitement. I mean, they're on a world, a continent they've never been on. They, they want, I mean, they are explorers and conquerors and here they are just held up on an Island I'm sure that they were aggression, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, I think that she realized they need to fight. They're warriors. They need this. Um, And so I think that that's a little bit of why she did things the way that she did. Um, One of my favorite, favorite parts of the whole um, battle is when you see the Dothraki coming in and the Dothraki stand up on their horses to shoot arrows like we rewatched it and I'm like teary like oh my gosh like this is so badass and it was just so incredible just to watch that the aspect with Braun and Scorp the Scorpio uh Scorpion um I I mean obviously it wasn't going to be Jam- Jamie because he can't do much with one hand um as we are completely told multiple times that he only has one hand. I don't know how anybody could forget. But um, I I was disappointed that it seemed like Bran, uh, Bran was able just to go in there, like, kind of unscathed. Like, he opens this big container and nobody really even comes to him. He fights off a few people at the beginning before he gets onto it, and he kills that Dothraki with the first shot um, when he is still inside the cage. But then after that, nobody does anything. And I, I just have a hard time seeing that no Dothraki would take the chance to attack somebody standing there. But that's me. Um, I am glad that they didn't actually kill the dragon with the first hit and that they just wounded him. Um, but with a name like Scorpion, I have a feeling that there's poison or something like that. So unfortunately... Even though he might just be wounded, this might not go well for Drogon. And this story arc with Jamie, I 
I can definitely see where some of those things have changed and that a possibility of a rebirth for him could could be possible. As he's charging through the water there with the spear saying, I'm going to kill da- Daenerys Targaryen right here, right now. I think he kind of realizes as he's charging at this girl who's not facing him, who isn't, has doesn't have a weapon or anything like that that he's doing to her or is going to do to her exactly what he did to her father. Stab him in the back. That's the Jamie Lannister way. And then right at the end, right before Drogon is just about to just eat him. I mean, I don't know why Drogon just doesn't just chomp him in half because we've seen him do that. Um, Bronn, which I agree, I think it's Bronn. We see him look at that horse right there towards the end and I think that it looks like it's the same horse that rides towards Jamie to save him um, and knocks him into the water. I think that, you know, for Jamie, he has always been loyal to Cersei because um, he loves her um, and he loves their children. But right now he has no children with Cersei. Cersei is also pretty much promised to Euron. And she's going insane. She's going insane. Um, also, in regards to the Euron part, I think that that worries Jamie more than, you know, Cersei ever being with um, Baratheon. Yeah, Baratheon, because he was an idiot and he slept around with a bunch of women anyways. So it left Cersei available to Jamie, where I don't feel that that's going to be the case with Euron. And I think Jamie worries about that. Um, so I think that. He, he could definitely, this could be his time to realize, like, Cersei's not looking out for the well-being of these people. She's unhinged. Um, but I, I find it very hard to believe that he's going to really completely turn his back on her. My personal thought is, I think that this could be the rebirth in terms of him actually starting to think for himself. But I think that the real decision will come when he has to face down Brienne. Because in my mind, there cannot be a battle between the North and the Lannisters in which Brienne and Jaime do not face off. And that some sort of decision has to be made. Because she is an epic warrior and he is known as one of the greatest warriors as well. So for me, the his final decision one way or another if i had my druthers will be when he decides whether or not he's going to face down brianne i also think that there's going to be a big part of if he kills cersei i think that it would be interesting to see if there is a brianne and jamie battle if brianne can kill jamie with his own sword because she she has his sword that he gave her um before she left and I mean, wouldn't that be coincidental? Oh, hey. It would, it, it's not just coincidental. It's almost foretold. Uh, but I have to pause for a second because you speaking so highly of the Dothraki, I, it's almost as if I'm expecting you to say, for the Horde! No, not even a little bit. <laughs> I love the Dothraki. I love Daenerys. And I know that you don't like her, and that's cool. That's fine. But she's my queen. Well, so, I figured, I figured, hmm, maybe I'll finally get a For the Horde out of Casey. May never, ha- may never happen, but on Game of Thrones, there might be a chance. She, 
you're 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 gonna get a for the mother of dragons before you get for the horde. <laughs> for sure. For well, sure. I'm gonna use this to segue into Hearthstone because Dwayne, a new expansion came out, Knights of the Frozen Throne. You've been streaming it. For those of us who are Hearthstone illiterate, what is the big twist this season? So, yeah, we have a new expansion that came out on Thursday called Knights of the Frozen Throne. It is a card expansion, so 135 new cards were added to to the game. And the the twist, the the knights in this particular case, it, it, it is a an expansion centered around uh, the Lich King and the uh, Ice Crown Citadel uh, raid from World of Warcraft or the Warcraft 3 game that, that talked a lot about uh, Arthas. The, the, the big twist in this particular case is they, there's been a lot of clamoring uh, in, in Hearthstone that they should add a 10th class. They should add a Death Knight class because... In World of Warcraft, they ended up adding a Death Knight class as a hero class. Well, instead of actually doing that, they created a card for each of the existing nine classes that can be played. And when you play them, you actually turn your hero into a Death Knight and completely change their uh, appearance, their hero power changes. There's... You gain armor, and something happens on the, on the battlefield when you when you play this card, and and it at least initially seems to be very very popular because they they it, all the kind of the the a lot of the decks that that you see being played on on stream and and stuff have have these hero cards in them. They're they've been very very well received so far. What are the best comps at, at least at this early stage? Well, right right now we're we're you know just a couple days into the expansion. I, I can tell you that it seems like people are gravitating towards the druid class because if you there there's a site uh, called Vicious Syndicate that actually collects data on matchups. Anybody that anybody that wants can sign up. And then basically you submit data to them that says, I'm playing this class and this is the person I just played against and they're playing this class. And uh, if you look at the highest ranks in, in the game of Hearthstone, the, the rank five to the legend rank, uh, you're seeing anywhere from about 24% to almost 40% of the match uh, of the decks being played are of the druid class. And when you have nine classes to have at rank one druid comprising 38% of them, yeah, that's, that's pretty popular. What is the best card you uh, got from your packs? So I got, so I got three of the hero cards. Uh, I got the hunter hero card, Deathstalker Rexar. I got the Thrall Deathseer, the shaman uh, hero card, and then I got Shadow Reaper Anduin. I think the one I was most interested in trying, and the one I think is the most powerful of those three, was the Thrall Deathseer card. Okay. And uh, so I, 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 I've created 
a uh, a deck and haven't gotten a chance to play it too much. I got to play a game this morning and, and won and got to play Thrall for the first time and and it was it was a lot of fun. With the new expansion being out, all these new changes, of course, that's going to mean that your feed is a lot of fun to watch. When can people find you on Twitch and where? I'm at Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash majordeath. And I stream Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8 p.m. Central Time. And now the, now is the best time to kind of check out uh, the Hearthstone uh, streaming or or even just checking out the game itself because... There's just so many, d- despite the fact that Druid's getting a lot of play, there's still lots of lots lots of people playing lots of new and interesting decks right now. And I and I know for me in particular, I'm going to be trying out a whole bunch of these, the the hero cards that I have, and I, I want to craft some of the other ones and just play all kinds of decks to see how good these other ones really are. Well, Casey, before I let you and Dwayne go, do you have any other final thoughts on Game of Thrones or... Hearthstone, if you if he's convinced you to sneak in a game or two against him. Oh, he did make me play him against in the tavern brawl last night, so he could finish a quest, and I almost beat him. Almost, Uh sure. Um, Also, I just want to tell you what my favorite card is. There's a new card out called Arthas, and he's a little dog, and he's he's a yeah, he's Arthas's dog, a ghost dog. He's the most adorable thing ever. When you play him, it actually throws a bone onto the playing field, and then Arfus jumps from your hand onto the bone. It's like the cutest thing ever. Um, so that's what I love about Hearthstone, the cute cards. I like the cute cards. You're, you're a big fan of the snow flipper penguin as well. Yes. There's like there, there, there's Every time there's a new expansion, there's always kind of this rush to determine what is the cutest looking card in the set and yeah uh the snow flipper penguin might be the cutest it is a this little this little penguin that is surfing on this like little little uh jagged edge thing of ice and it's just just the cutest thing ever but arfis is is pretty cool too and i was going to say that for game of thrones i am super excited to see tonight's episode and to see where where this epic battle leads us and what we find out about what's going on with Jamie and Danny and I mean pretty much everybody else and I look forward to talking to you about it Monday at work and I just realized that I forgot I can't let you guys go without telling me real quick about your thoughts about the Minnesota meetup oh yeah so last weekend yeah last weekend uh, we had a Minnesota meetup for the Convert to Raid Guild um, on Airy Peak US for World of Warcraft. Um, we had it at this cool little bar uh, called New Bohemia in um, Minneapolis. Um, it was great. We had about 30 to 40 people or so. Awesome. Um, and we had a bunch of new people actually that hadn't come out before. Um, which is always really great just to kind of get more people from the community. Um, we have people from North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin um, come out and, and hang out. So that was awesome. We got to just chit chat. A bunch of people brought board games. New, New Bohemia is like a worst beer house and it has like big long tables, which was great for playing board games. Uh, Dwayne had actually played um, this board game that 
the host had actually just gotten called Five Minute Dungeon. He could probably give you some more information about I, that. I listened to that on either yeah. Convert to Raid or uh, Torin Think Tank, and okay. they were talking about it, and it sounded like a lot of fun. It, yeah. It's definitely a lot of fun. Dwayne, I know last time there was a meetup, you did pretty well with the Hearthstone Fireside. Did you did, did you have one of those again? There, there wasn't, there wasn't a fireside this time. No, we just, we just hung out, uh, had, had a little bit to drink, and uh, played board games for the most part. Uh, there was a great idea about uh, playing kind of a, a, a bingo where you went around talking to people and getting, uh, getting to know them a little bit, and then using that to like cross out a bingo card, saying like uh, this person plays mage in world of warcraft or this person owns a dog or this person owns okay. a cat or, so it kind of gave a a good icebreaker sort of uh so, sort of game to play but then yeah we just played board games sat around talked about uh video games and other geek stuff and that that was that's that's usually what this is and and uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun so where can people find you on Twitch if they want to watch your stream? And where can they find you on Twitter? Twitch.tv slash MageAdeath. And I am on Twitter at MageAdeath. Casey, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CKEckholm, E-C-K-H-O-L-M. I post pictures of my cats and retweet Dwayne's <laughs> stream stuff um, and talk about a bunch of random stuff on there. So you can find me there. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for being back once again. Thank Thanks, you for Luke. having us, Luke. Now joining Mo and I, Dan! Since you refused to watch Game of Thrones... There is no refusal, Luke! ...couldn't have you at the beginning of the podcast, so we have to add you in now. Welcome, Dan. Hey, guys. How's it going? So, you were tormenting me this last week on Twitter with Laurel Lance... I want to say shiitake mushrooms, but I won't. But you were tormenting me. So what's there was going no on? torment. It was just like, oh, hey, look, this is going to be a big focus this season. Isn't that exciting, Luke? Isn't it? No, no, it's not, Dan. <laughs> uh, fair enough, fair enough. But I am very, very excited. Uh, there are hintings um, from the the Arrowverse that uh, things are about to go down and I'm really excited and they've suggested the possibility that uh, the Huntress might be back at some point this season. That I don't mind. I would love a second uh, Birds of Prey so much. Oh, mean you don't God. mean you don't want Shamar more? <laughs> wait, Sham wait, Shamar's got to escape from CBS at, uh, before you can put together a first prey show. Yeah, but the CW is partly owned by C the CBS, isn't it? E isn't it CBS and Warner or Viacom? I suppose isn't it like isn't it Viacom and Warner? Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I mean, but technically, Birds would fall under Warner's umbrella. I mean, they, the for what I remember, it's like. CW is owned by CBS slash Viacom and, and Warner Brothers, but then they each supply their own shows. But Birds okay. of Prey would be a, a Warner Brothers show. I, obviously, Dan doesn't watch The Young and the Restless. I I do watch The Young and the Restless from time to time, but 
at the same time, it's like uh, it, it's been a while since I cared that Shamar about Moore was a detective uh, on Birds Moore's of Prey. character back mm. in the day. Uh, the uh, brother, I can't remember his name. The last one was played by uh, Darius McCrary. Malcolm. What's his name? Winters. Malcolm Winters and, and Neil Winters. Yes, Malcolm. Thank you. Yes, I couldn't remember. It was, it was bothering me. Sorry about that. Anyways, so, yes, I am very excited about the possibilities going down in the Arrowverse. There's so much going on. Um, one of the biggest things for me personally is how uh, Legends is formatting their villains this season. First of all, Damian Dark is back because I don't think they can let go of uh, Neil McDonough like ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's like a different version of Damian Dark, which I'm kind of bores me a little bit. Like his shtick is getting a little old. Well, and I, the, what I was more interested in was Barrowman. Like he posted something on social media about how he had been told he wasn't going to be on the season, but then an executive made a statement that sort of implied that he would be. But Barrowman was like, well, I haven't been contacted about this yet. So if it works out, I'm all for it. Listen, I've been a fan of Barrowman since Torchwood and Doctor Who, so I will pretty much watch him in anything, but that is who I would want back. I was going to ask, you didn't watch Barrowman on Titans? That old NBC soap? Titans, okay. That was a primetime soap. I watched Titans a long time ago. It was while I was in college, I think. So I probably, I didn't get hooked on it. Okay. Okay. I would probably prefer Malcolm Merlin in Arrow rather than Legends, personally, uh, because I think there's a lot of like loose ends, and the the Arrow final arc where he showed up reminded me how much I prefer him among Oliver and company as opposed to like just sparring with Damian Dark every week. As entertaining as it was, it got old. Well, and it, it it sort of made him feel like a fifth wheel. Yeah, yeah. It, it diminished what he meant to the show. And not only that, but if you remember, like, early Arrow, it's like, ooh, he is the magician. He is the dark ar- archer. He is, like, they really hyped him up. And then by the time he gets to Legends, he is the fifth wheel, which is so frustrating because, like, his character means so much to, like, the Arrowverse as a whole. And I, I almost wish that it would be one of those things where that would be a character that we would see pop up on The Flash. Or maybe he gets a cameo on Riverdale. It's like as someone just sitting in the cafe driving through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a shame that the League of Assassins doesn't exist anymore. Because that was kind of the perfect role for him, where he could just pop in, pop out, and, you know, he has his minions, and that that cleans everything really, and makes everything really neat. Very true. Well, the, uh, the Arrowverse has casted uh, a character called Richard Dragon, who is another DC Comics martial artist. Now, they could use him to rebuild the League of, uh, of Assassins or the League of Shadows or whatever they want to uh, call themselves. Um, there was a comic arc, I believe, in, in the New 52 version of 
green uh, green arrow that yes. that kind of did that with under Jeff Lemire. So they could use that as the template to bring the bring that group back. Yes, there was a whole uh, outsiders war. Yes. Yeah. No, that was actually the the best part of that section of Green Arrow. I like that that people are very polarized when it comes to New Fifty Two Green Arrow, but I really really enjoyed the Outsiders War. But needless to say, so they have Damian Dark. They're gonna have Gorilla Garad, which I'm kind of like, I don't know how that fits. <laughs> I guess I I guess just Garad is teaming up with humans now. All right, that's weird. We're just going to go with this. But the one I'm really, really excited about is Kuasa. Because it, it, like, so Kuasa is Mari's sister, which makes her Amaya's other granddaughter. Mm. And, yes. So this is this is all tying really nicely into the Vixen series. Um, I haven't been able to check out that series, but I've always really enjoyed how the main Arrowverse references the other show. Like Ray is like, Hey, so uh, this is what's going on. I fought alongside Mari and we need to put Amaya back because of reasons but I really, like, I, I think it's really cool. Kawasa is, like, a water witch, and she's this awesome fighter. And we already know they're adding the character of Zari, who's a hacker and, you know, is from the future. So we, there are a lot of different elements at play. And it kind of ties into um, something I really hope they touch on, which is, what if this is how it was supposed to be all along? What if they were always meant to go on the time ship and stop the time masters and then pick up Amaya and fight alongside the, the justice society. Um, you know, it's very possible given like the amount of displacement and adoption and all of these different elements. What if Nate is, you know, Mari and Kwasa's grandfather? Like, there there are enough, like, displacement and various things at play that that could very well be possible, and this is all going as time intended. It, it's so interesting, like, the idea that they're playing with Amaya's, like, um, just family lineage and how Vixen fits within history and whatnot. Uh, so I I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, well, I'm going to interrupt this message or this podcast to just point out that, oh, my freaking God, Josh Brolin as Cable looks badass. Mo, yes. when I saw those photos, I was like, uh, I would not mess with Josh Brolin in or out of costume. He, he looks like Scott Summers' baby boy. I cannot wait for, the, for Deadpool 2. Uh, it's it's shaping up. I mean, now I'm I'm curious. They're probably just going to do CGI when it comes to Cable's trademark cybernetic um, eye that he has, or he he constantly has this like glint in his eye. So I'm sure I'm I'm kind of curious about how they'll do that. But you know, it, it'll be it'll be fine in post production. The one thing that that picture was missing though that I did point out on Twitter was Cable wasn't wearing uh, the shoulder pads. I mean, I'm going back. 
27 years, classic cable has to wear these big shoulder pads with his guns. I mean, if it ain't, if he doesn't have the shoulder pads, something's wrong. But otherwise, Josh Brolin looks great as cable. Well, I would point out that Luke Cage is does not wear a tiara for most of the season, but they give him a moment in which he wears one. Yeah, and Danny Rand isn't exactly sporting his uniform either. Dan, what did you think of the cable photos? I absolutely love it. I'm so excited. I, I'm i not going to lie. I haven't seen that many Josh Brolin movies. I hear great things, and I've really enjoyed him so far as Thanos, and I'm really looking forward to more Thanos. So for him to be Cable, I'm just, I'm pumped. There was a lot of big industry news this um, this week in terms of streaming services. We had Netflix buy Millar World and its library. Disney announced that it was going to be pulling its library from Netflix coming 2019, though there are negotiations to try and keep the superhero and Star Wars stuff on Netflix. And then Robert Kirkman signed a development deal with Amazon. Mo, what the world is going on in mergers and acquisitions in geekdom? Hey, you know, these comic guys understand that, you know, their products, their content is is big bucks now. Everybody wants something. Everybody wants their own superhero franchise. Everybody wants their own comic book franchise. And... Hey, why why not? I mean, uh, Mark Millar, who you know has worked in comics for a, several decades now. He's worked for Marvel. He's worked for DC. He's he's done a lot of independent stuff. Most people probably the I think probably outside of comics, when people probably first time may have heard Mark Millar's name thrown around was when that movie Wanted came out. Now that was a horrible horrible adaptation of 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 his um, of his comic. It, it just oh, didn't you didn't like anything. it. Well, it died. It was. I read the comic series Wanted. I mean, I own. I still own my copies of Wanted. That was a bad ass comic. I, but the movie with the uh, loom of time and all that other yin yang, it just wasn't working. I mean, but, it, but Mo, you, you could bend the bullet. Please, you can't. He was bending the bullet in the comics, but I mean, but they had some stuff in that comic that they that, that wanted comic they could not do on that film. But anyway, so Millar World has um, so I think that this is a, a good uh, opportunity for uh, Netflix in case that things don't work out with Marvel down the line that they can come up and develop some super powered or or, or um, they'd have their own kind of comic book line of characters that they can um, choose from. So, um, for instance, like, uh, there was a comic that, Luke, I know you were a fan of Empress. I yep. remember you and I, I talking I, about yep, talking I, about Empress. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have right there the classic uh, space opera right there that, that, that Netflix can now develop and call their own. They have um, some urban, he has some urban characters in uh, MPH, which is about uh, some some people in Detroit who take um, this drug that gives them super speed powers. So the thing about Mark Millar is he cuts across different genres. Uh, he can be a bit of a blowhard at times. Of the, I mean, that's kind of the way I see him sometimes. He, he kind of likes to beat his own chest. But the man knows how to crank out IPs. And I think it was a very smart move for, um, 
for Netflix, though it will be interesting to know who will be publishing his comics. Um, because Kingsman 2, which is about to hit theaters, there is a Kingsman comic that's coming out in parallel to that movie. That's going to be published through Image Comics. But who knows what's going to happen going forward. Dan, when I saw the news about Disney pulling from Netflix, I was like, what the fuck? Because for me, it re I love having Netflix and Hulu, which Hulu's more TV and uh, a lot of times Netflix tends to be movies, but I love having basically two destinations, three if you include Amazon, where you can sort of pick or choose from the three where you want to have your hu entertainment hub. But now we've got CBS with their own platform. We're going to have ABC slash Disney developing their own platform for their stuff. We have Warner developing their platform for the Teen Titans, which really pisses me off because I would love to see Teen Titans on cable or on the CW. But I'm going to have Young get... Justice season three. Exactly. Yes. I'm like, what? We went from this giant fragmentation of entertainment on cable and television and that was upended by netflix by providing a one-stop place and now the big studios are like wait a second we do not want to have netflix have this much influence and control and they're starting to pull their content oh yeah and it does not make me as a consumer very happy and it, it it's getting even worse because this week uh, the NBC comedy brand, um, the the streaming service CISO, ceased to exist. Like NBC shut shut down the entire channel and moved, or maybe they licensed it, or NBC has a, a hand in this, but they moved everything to VRV, which is like an off-brand of Crunchyroll that mostly plays anime, and now it's suddenly going to be anime and also NBC off-brand comedies. Um, there are a lot of popular ones that went over there, like um, uh, Bajillion Dollar Properties and uh, like just a bunch of Amy Poehler and um, uh, Tina Fey uh, Mind Child projects. Um, which is crazy, but they're like, how much of eight ninety nine a month do these people think we have? Well, and that's why but, I liked Hulu because you had NBC, ABC, and Fox all teaming up. When I was paying for Hulu, I don't subscribe to it anymore, but that's why I paid for it because I could get all of those networks in one spot, and it made sense to me to have. A service like Hulu but now they seem to be like even though we have Hulu we're going to just fragment this more why not put it into Hulu which you already partially own yeah it's it's really frustrating and I like they're looking to create exclusives for themselves but the problem is everyone's coming up with that idea and going for that idea and at some point it's just it's not going to be an idea anymore. It's just going to be the thing people do. I'm really worried that like, you know, Netflix is like co-producing on these Marvel shows. What's going to happen to this entire universe 
that they've created and co-produced together. Is it going to be fragmented? Are we going to have Arrested Development Season 4 where they just have to stick logos on the screen being like, hey, look, we stole this from from the previous seasons? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm really worried. They've said that they're going to keep Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist on Marvel or on Netflix. So in terms of them disappearing, we don't have to worry about that. But it would beg the question of whether or not we other characters are allowed to be introduced, I would think. Yeah, yeah. There, There's a lot of like questionable creative parts at play. Do they have the ability to license other characters? Do they like... Are they confined to this box? Um, you know, I don't know. It kind of puts a lot of things in limbo. I'm also a little worried because Star Wars has a lot of stuff on Netflix as is too. And I don't know how Disney having a streaming service would impact that. Um, I, know... I feel like I'm going to have to go through and do a Star Wars like mega marathon of everything possible Star Wars just so that I can have watched it before it leaves Netflix. Yeah, I mean, Clone War is considered to be one of like the the biggest things outside of the films that Star Wars ever did. There's like five or six seasons of Clone Wars just hanging out. Uh, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but I, it was very popular on Netflix when it was. I've also heard good things about Rebels. Um, it's just it's really frustrating watching all of these different brands try and come up with the same idea at the same time for the same price. I mean, it's bad enough that the most popular television show on the face of the earth at the moment requires you to shell out $15 a month when you're already subscribing to five or six other streaming services. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> um I'm I'm just saying. Uh, next but, time, next time they have a free preview, go and just watch everything possible you can that weekend. <laughs> and then and then he'll be drooling, you know, because he's he's just on Game of Thrones overload overload. There you go, yeah. Mo. Yeah, I I started thinking about that deal that you offered me last week, by the way, Luke, and then I found out that uh, Adult Swim has every episode of Rick and Morty free on its website right now. So I feel as though that deal is not super great. (laughs) uh, I'm not going to be watching anything on my computer when I have web-enabled TVs. That's not going to happen. So I would Mm. have to be paying for it. Um, But the deal is still out there. Mo, there's some interesting comic book stories. There was a trailer released for Batman vs. Two-Face, and there was an interview with Jonathan Hickman about the Fantastic Four, and he, he gave his thoughts on why it's not being published. The Fantastic Four are beloved, even if their movies suck. <laughs> what did you think of the interview? Well, you know, here's the thing. It's, that's a known secret. Many people have suspected for a while that the reason why the Fantastic Four are not being published is because... The, the movie rights are being handled by Fox. Um, they Prior to that most recent Fantastic Four film that came out and flopped, um, a lot of Marvel merchandising, such as T-shirts, coffee mugs, whatever, if you had an older version of said T-shirt, 
So for instance, there was a t-shirt from like the 80, for an old t-shirt from uh, featuring this Marvel crossover called Secret uh, War. Uh, Secret, uh, Secret Wars from the 80s that used to have the thing on it, Ben Grimm. Well, if you look at a new version of said same shirt, Ben Grimm is gone. He's not there anymore. Um, and so Hickman was the last per Jonathan Hickman was the last person to write the Fantastic Four. He wrote the Fantastic Four uh, for a number of years, including their exit storyline, which was in the contemporary version of Secret Wars. Um, and Basically, you know, many people don't believe Fantastic Four will come back until either one, um, the movie rights uh, revert back to Disney, which I don't think is going to happen anytime, or probably what more likely is going to happen is so many people are going to want the Fantastic Four and clamor for it that they, they, they will come back. I mean, Marvel did put Thor on ice uh, about 10 years, a little over 10 years ago. Uh, for a couple of years, and then they, and then that character came back to much acclaim, and then that kind of subsequently led to hit that first uh, Thor movie. So we'll see. I think the Fantastic Four will return. It's just a matter of when. And what did you think of the Batman versus Two Face trailer? It was really bittersweet seeing that because, as if you're a fan of of Batman '66, you know this is Adam Adam West's final portrayal as the Caped Crusader from that era of Batman. Um, the Two-Face in this film is played by William Shatner. And uh, uh, apparently, um, the, William Shatner was supposed to be involved with the Batman 66 show at, at some point, but it just never happened. I believe, if I remember correctly, um, I, th I think they wanted to bring they wanted to bring in Two-Face at one point. There was a script for it, which got eventually turned into a, a, uh, a, a graphic novel. Um, this uh, Batman versus Two-Face will be also interesting because not only will you have the some of the classic Batman 66 characters, they're also bringing in some sort of version of Harlequin, Dr. Harley Quinzel, who is Harley Quinn. Um, the trailer does show that character in there. It's fitting because this is the 25th anniversary of Harley Quinn appearing uh, making her appearance on Batman the Animated Series. So I'm really looking forward to when this film uh, when this film comes out on uh, Blu-ray. It's actually going to have a limited release in theaters um, on uh, uh, August 14th. Is it going to be in, in IMAX or is it just going to be standard theater? It's for one it's going to be standard theater. It's it's one of those um, fan event um, Oh, I can't. I'm blanking on what they call those. Uh, but it's just it's going to be in standard, and it's just going to be just for one night only. It's just going to be shown. Fathom. Oh. Fathom. Yeah, that's what they're called. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Dan. Well, um, any other final thoughts, Dan, as we wrap this up? Uh, sounds like it was a big week for Batman. Uh, also <laughs> debuting this week was the uh, the trailer for the second Telltale game. Uh, and that looks fantastic as well. Uh, Telltale has been making some really awesome games. Uh, their most recent one is a Guardians of the Galaxy game that, from what I hear, is fantastic. Um, the first Batman game is obviously very good. Uh, they they just continue to put out these like big, giant story games with these long cutscenes and stuff like that. So it's really interesting, and I'm really looking forward to more from uh, that universe. Mo, final thoughts? 
final thought is the the other big uh, acquisition of the week, which was uh, Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead, signing a development deal with Amazon. This deal not only is for Robert Kirkman, but also uh, for properties affiliated with his his Skybound Entertainment um, line, which produces uh, a number of comic comic books for Image Comics. This is going to be interesting because previously uh, Kirkman was signed with AMC and his show Outcast is, which is currently, I believe Outcast is on Stars, I believe. I think Stars has, has Outcast. Uh, it will be very interesting. Kirkman has a number of other comics, comic properties that he's been trying to get developed uh, for years. One of his comics, Invincible, his and has a film development deal going on, but uh, but Kirkman has other things such as Brit. Um, he has other things like Tech Jacket and so forth, which I think that Amazon would certainly want to snatch up. And it's similar to what Netflix is doing with Millar World. They, they're basically, they want their own comic book properties. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. My final thought is that I have been highly disappointed with August movie releases this year. It used to be that during the summer, May, June, and July would have all these great blockbuster movies. And then in August, you'd start getting crap. But you'd have like maybe one or two fun movies. They may not be great movies, but they were fun movies. And this month, with the exception of wanting to go see Atomic Blonde and then finding out that the plot on it is very thin, there hasn't been a lot that makes me want to just like rush into the theaters this month. And then we're coming to September, which is not known to be a great month, but Kingsman is coming out. So I feel like there's something weird about that. And so my thought is these movie studios need to get their act together because August used to be an, a, at least a fun month in the movie theater, not necessarily a great month, but a fun month. We would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me at Twitter, twitter.com slash Luke underscore Kerr. Dan is at the real Dan Pierce, and Mo is at Mo, Dr. Mo 77. Correct. I got that all right. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. So long, everybody. Bye.